0: Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux, and for the month of July, we are running some of our favorite episodes from the archives. Some go back as far as episode number two. We hope that you enjoy these as we work on season seven of the Good Life Coach podcast, where we'll be bringing you all new content and amazing guests. If you'd like to access the show notes for any of the episodes that you tune into, you can find those over at thegoodlifecoach.com. And while you're there, head on over to the podcast page where you can actually search podcasts by category so that you are getting the content that is most relevant to you. Okay, friends. So I hope you enjoy the replays from the archives and look forward to reconnecting with you very soon with all new shows. So here we go. Hi there, this is Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am so thrilled you are here today, and I just want to wish you a happy new year. My hope is that 2019 is your best year yet. And my intention is to bring you really great guests that are going to help up level an area of your life. And one way that I thought would be a great way to kick off the new year is with a certified professional organizer. But before I introduce you to today's guests, let me ask you a few questions. Is there clutter in your home, either throughout or in just particular rooms? Maybe there's that one room or closet that the door is always shut because you just keep adding more things in there because you don't have any other place to put them and you don't have the time to think about where they belong or whether you need them anymore. Maybe you or your partner is always running late because your closet is a mess and it's hard to get dressed in the morning. Or maybe one of you is also just always losing things or misplacing them and can never find them. Or perhaps you're like me and it's paper that is weighing you down and you need a system in place. Well, today's guest, Kathy Vines, is the CEO of Clever Girl Organizing and also the author of The Clever Girl's Guide to Living with Less, Break Free from Your Stuff, Even When Your Head and Heart Get in the Way. I know how important it is to have a decluttered, peaceful living space. And that's my hope for any of you who are struggling with clutter to give you some more information and tools and tips to help get you on your way to a decluttered, beautiful home. So on that note, let's meet Kathy Vines. Hey, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be having this conversation because lack of organization is not just a matter of clutter. It's about psychology and emotions. And, you know, before we get into the how-tos of so- how somebody could help themselves get more organized. I'm wondering if we could get into your story, Kathy, because I understand that you were not a naturally organized person and you also had a very successful career in HR. So I'm curious how you got started.
1: Uh, I guess I was definitely not a naturally organized person. And I would say that for a lot of people, what that sounds like or what it felt like was my room was always a mess. I was always losing my homework, never doing my homework when I was growing up. There are probably other reasons for that too. Um, But I just, my life was a little chaotic. And even though my brain was probably more organized than I thought, right? I liked order. I like sorting things. I like things being grouped, like with like and in categories, which I think a lot of those things are some core parts of being organized. But I just didn't have the habits and the systems to really turn my life into something that really worked smoothly. It was only once I got into college and then grad school and then living on my own that I started learning a lot of different things about myself that helped me expose where some of my weaknesses were and then allowed me to build some systems and some comp- and compensations around what my weaknesses were. And using all of those allowed me to be successful professionally. Um I think it's always a work in progress. I'm 48, and I expect to still struggle with this at 88.
0: (laughs) I hear that loud and clear. So, Kathy, then how did you get started? I understand that you learned systems to become organized, but you were in HR. So what prompted you to make this a career?
1: I was uh, fortunate to be laid off uh, at a time when I really needed probably a kick in the pants to leave a job that I should have left earlier, right? we've all kind of been there where we should have exited a spot and chased our dreams a little sooner than we did. And I, you know, after 20 years in HR, there was the opportunity to say, all right, what am I doing next in HR? But my husband and I talked about it and I said, I'm not sure I'm ready to get into another HR role right now. But I've always kind of thought about someday maybe being a professional organizer and helping other people understand themselves the way I had understood myself and helping them figure out the stuff and the systems and the habits of their life so that they could live with a lot less chaos the same way that I had figured out to do with for myself. So after 20 years in HR, I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it like a real business. I set up an S Corp. I set up a website. I started blogging. I started actively marketing. And I said, you know, if I do it for a year and it doesn't work out, I can always go back to HR. But after a year, I was growing my business, but most importantly, loving what I was doing with people every single day. And there was no turning back.
0: That's a beautiful story. Um, it makes me wonder, you talked about, you know, systems. And would you say that disorganization and clutter is just a matter of not having systems in place and it's something anyone can learn to do?
1: I think when, in my experience, when I work with people, I tell them that if somebody tells me they're disorganized, I say they're probably disorganized in one or maybe two areas of stuff, systems, or habits. Right. So stuff might be you just have too much of it, uh, more than you need in your life. Uh, Systems are how things go from A to Z when you process them in your life and in your home. And habits, of course, are all of the activities and behaviors that we use to keep those systems running. Right. So you can spend... $5,000 $5,000 on a gorgeous laundry room, but the laundry isn't going to do itself without the habit, but the laundry room is the system, right? Right. So, you know, but your clothes are your stuff and the laundry room is the system and the habit is all the stuff that you have to do in order to make the system work. So you go from dirty clothes to clean clothes.
0: Yeah. Now all of that's Great. And I get it. But we all struggle with it. Even my friends who are super organized have either a closet filled (laughs) with things that they have not taken care of. Or, you know, like I have a good friend who's got her house is always pristine, but we both talk about how we cannot stand Papers. That's my downfall is papers. So there's different categories. And I know you address this in your book. You said that there's really five main categories where people struggle. It's clothes, books, collections and memorabilia, photos and paperwork. Um, We don't have time to get into all of them. But using your framework, you know, what's, for example, let's start with clothing. Like, what's the first step somebody would take to get organized around their, their clothes?
1: The first thing that I know that I do when I'm with a client talking about their clothes is I want to know what their life is like because there's a good chance I'm going to find aspects of their wardrobe which really doesn't reflect their answer, right? Mm -hmm. They may have a a past profession and they have a wardrobe related to that. They may think of themselves as somebody who works out a lot, but it turns out they really don't, but they have a lot of workout clothes because that's aspirational, Um, They may have, I always find this, I have clients who have a a big stash of like, well, I can paint in those, right? And then suddenly you realize (laughs) unless you're a professional painter, you really don't need that many t-shirts and and pants that you can paint in. Um, So I want to know about their life because then their wardrobe kind of shows up either proportionally or disproportionately to the way they tell me they live
0: okay so I love this so much because as you were talking of course I'm thinking about my wardrobe so there may be women out there who are like me who worked in corporate America and had the sheath dresses and the suits and all of those clothes and then um, transitioned into being at home like I did with my child and then you know doing the drop-offs and the pickups and I know I struggled with this for a long time. There's a photo and it makes me laugh when I see it. It's my daughter's first day of preschool. And Kathy, you'll appreciate this based on what you're what you do. I took her to school in a sheath dress and heels. Now I was not going into an <laughs> office after that. <laughs> it was but not also th- your first day of school. It was, it was just hers. <laughs> correct. But but that but see, here's the thing, you're right about this, and this is where it does get emotional, or like there's that charge. But that's actually me when I'm in my element and that's how I feel most me. So, you know, I have gotten rid of some of that stuff, but, you know, as I'm transitioning, doing more coaching and going back and in consulting into corporations, you know, I went back to, I went into theory and I bought some more sheath dresses. Like I reintroduce them into my wardrobe. So it is such a dance and a balance. So, you know, do you at least give advice where maybe it's keep classic things? Because I tend to buy more classic clothes where if you know that you will be transitioning or is it best to just get rid of it and start fresh when you're ready to re-enter that world? Some of that will depend
1: on whether you're a person who has bounced through a lot of different sizes in life. Some of that depends if you've been the kind of person who really likes to be on trend and you've gotten the latest fashions, but you know, six months later, a year later, you're not really so interested in that. So if that, if that part of your life comes back around, maybe that item doesn't come back around. And I think some of it is really if you have the space in your life to keep all of it, you can keep all of it, Right. It's when people are really struggling with the trade-offs of saying, I have too much clothes, I can't pick out what I want to wear every day, I feel overwhelmed in my closet, I can't put in new things because there's just no space, then it becomes about prioritization. And then it is saying, all right, what are the classics that will work for you and different aspects of your life that you can't anticipate fully today, but you've got a reasonable chance that those are going to come into place, right? Like I always tell people, listen... You need something to wear to funerals, right? That's Funerals are going to come. Like, don't get rid of the black dress just because you think you don't wear black dresses anymore. And helping people think through, all right, what is an occasion where you might wear this particular dress again? What is an occasion where those boots are going to be the ones that you're going to wear again? And helping them imagine a future. And by the way, is there another option if that event comes around? Do you have something else in your closet that is going to work for you if you let, let go of this item today?
0: Yeah, that's all so good because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, what I've kept and what I've let go. I'm really, I would say I'm pretty good about decluttering as I go, but, um, you know, I do it more seasonally and I find that that's helpful to me, but there's still always too many things. And then you have to factor in suddenly, you know, like in my case, I have a child and she's growing like crazy and I feel like I'm constantly in her room trying to purge, um, all the clothes that don't work anymore. So how do you manage it when you have, let's say a spouse or children who want to hold on to stuff? Like what advice do you give to those clients? Because I know like with my daughter, she's 10 now and she remembers the emotional connection to everything that she owns, yeah. whether it's clothing or this stuffed animal. So, you know, she's at the age that where I'm like, love, you know, it's time for you to take ownership of that. So, uh, two things. Is that reasonable? Like, what age do you engage your family, like, you know, your kids in this process? And how do you manage the emotional piece, whether it's for yourself or your loved ones? Yeah.
1: I think you can start working at really young ages to start with the habits that are related to being organized, even if they aren't the habits related to letting things go right? The children in the first five years of their life are just in constant receiving mode, right? Their gifts and holidays and Halloween and birthday parties and everything is just, everything keeps coming in and coming in, coming in. No wonder once they get to a little older and you're like, all right guys, it's time to let things go. They're like, wait a minute, what? No, I get stuff. I don't give stuff. And so for some kids, it's a real shift, but getting them involved In the process around what does it mean to have an organized room to be able to find what it is you're looking for when you need it, to have mornings that aren't stressful because you can't find the thing you loved and really hope to wear today. You start talking about the benefits of it and that will help drive some behavior. But the other thing I wanted to mention is you talked about how your daughter really has such strong emotional memories with things. And that's natural. And we all do. I think it's where you start to talk about just because something is memorable doesn't mean it's important.
0: Right. Memory. Right. Let's stop there because I yes. love that. Let's say that again. That's genius. Just because. Just because it's memorable. Yes. Doesn't mean it's important. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's great.
1: Right, so important allows you to start to discriminate around value and the role it plays in your future and prioritization. And these are all executive functioning skills that kids absolutely need to learn and a lot of adults need to learn too. But the idea of being able to prioritize and assess value sometimes is around is it important? I know you remember, I know you had a great time that day we went to the fair and you won that unicorn. It's falling apart. I'm pretty sure it's poisoning us all because it's made in China. Like whatever it is, you're like, so what can we do? Can we take a picture? Do you want to write a story about the time that you got it? Because really the memory is around the day you went to the fair, not this particular doll. And so in being able to help them understand what's the important part that's inside and attached to that memory, it doesn't necessarily have to be the physical thing.
0: Yeah. And I imagine what you just said also applies to the adults that you work with, too. It's not exclusive to the children. Um, Is that true?
1: All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I worked with a client who was uh, she was an actress and community actress her whole life. And she had boxes and boxes and boxable playbills. And she really didn't want to let go of them. But we were able to say, you know, could you just keep a few pages from each playbill? Just the ones like the cover and the ones with the cast and the and the acts and set scenes? Do you really need all the advertisings for the local car dealerships that were in there? And we were able to really distill what was so important to her in the memory of the playbill to create like one tiny binder instead of two big boxes that were just a real burden on her ability to, to move from one house to the next and say, Uh, oh, these things are important to me, but I don't know how to make them work in my life differently.
0: Yeah, that is so good. And you know, as you were talking to, I was thinking about my daughter, and and I said to her, I said, you know, I I feel bad. You know, I'd say, mommy feels bad. Like I wish I taught you these skills a little earlier. And I I agree with you that it's definitely something that we can be doing with our children you know, starting, you know, from even two years old, okay, toys go in this bin or everything has its place. Now, part of it too, is when we were in Boston, we lived in a two bedroom condo. It was 1600 square feet. There was one closet that my husband, Mm -hmm. daughter, and I shared. So I had to be good about decluttering. And I was the one who was sort of in charge of all of that. Um, but you know, based on your space, you have limitations. So our living room, there was no place other than the living room to keep the Legos and the little toy kitchen and all of that. So how do you recommend to a family that might not have that much space, um, but they want to have that feeling of, you know, declutter, that, that nice open feeling that everything has its place? Like, how do you advise somebody to get started on creating that nice Serene vibe, and in, in when you don't have the space to store it all elsewhere, is it get rid of it or is it find a place for it?
1: It's it's probably a little of both. And when I tell somebody that we're going to get started, I I want them to choose one of two options for me: find something that is causing them a lot of pain. And problems that we have to alleviate for the quality of your life, or find something that you think is just going to make you so happy and thrilled, and it's kind of pleasure seeking to to go after it, and so that might help them decide. Like, well, what is it? Do I want? Do I want to keep everything, and I just want this this living room to feel like everybody in the family can play in here and spend time in here, and it's not hectic? Or is it that I really do want to create a world for my child so that they feel like they? never have to choose and always have something new at their fingertips to delight them and inspire them and excite them. Like those are different answers. And that'll guide a little bit about how some choices get made. When you are stuck in a certain amount of fixed space, it's really got to be a little bit of what's most important that has to be in here. And what's the system that's going to help you not go crazy, right? If you need to have a system that allows you and your child to put things away. Make sure the system really works for your child or else you're the one who's going to be putting things away.
0: Yeah, this is so good. I'm loving this conversation because, again, I think that everyone struggles with some level of clutter in their life, even if they work at it all the time. Um, So let's talk about 30,000-foot level because when you're talking about systems and you're talking about personal choices, I mean, all of this is very... It is, it sounds like it is all very personal based on how you operate and what's important to you. That word important keeps coming back up. So, you know, you've worked with so many clients at this point, you know, is there a particular system that tends to work with most or is there a framework that you can offer us today to help us uh, take control of the clutter? Well, I think there's no,
1: there's no one answer that applies to everyone. Uh, but what I am able to use with people are the similar questions, right? Let's let's ask some questions about yourself, your life, your family, wh- whatever space we're in, what's coming up. So I want to know what is what's getting in their way. You know, tell me tell me what a stressful morning looks like, and I'll hear different things about. Well, we can't find things. Um, we're arguing. Time management issues. All these different things. So I'll ask questions that help people discover their life a little bit and what's getting in their way, because that's what clutter is. Clutter is the stuff that's getting in the way of you living your life the way you want to.
0: Okay. This is so good. Would it help to do like a real world example with my life? I'm just wondering, you know, versus making it, it. it. let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Let's do it because no, I think it might be. And I, and I know that my situation's not unique to, you know, just sure. us. So it might be helpful to make it more a little bit more tangible. Um okay, so you know, my husband and I always say everyone knows clean as you go. This is what we try to tell my daughter. Uh, my husband came up with that. I have to give him credit for that. You know, everyone knows clean as you go. And you know, I think that when you do have those habits, like you use, you know, you have stuff systems and habits, you find success. So where there's a habit that I found success for example is my mom always taught me never go to bed with dirty dishes in the sink so I it's almost like brushing my teeth now I can't go to sleep until the dishwasher is loaded and even if everything doesn't fit, everything's kind of rinsed and neatly to the side. I cannot go to bed now um and it's so nice because I wake up to a neat kitchen. I just it's never gonna happen then but that wasn't always the case. so I created that habit um where we fall down I would say is sort of you know so the living room's always good. Kitchen, I'd say, is pretty good, but it's co- it's constant, Kathy. It's constant, yeah. right? So, do you recommend that somebody just literally clean as they go every time? Like, don't leave the house until everything's tidied up. Like, how do you manage sort of the day to day clutter that accumulates? So, I
1: think uh, in a kitchen is a great example of kind of talking about. So, what's going on in the kitchen? Right. The big one that I hear a lot is, well, the mail comes in and we drop the mail here. Or I came in from wherever I was going and I put things down and I'm actually quite not quite sure what I'm going to do with it yet. Or, well, yeah, I use this today, but I might use it again tomorrow, so I don't really want to put it put it back because that's just a pain. Why would I do that? It'll just be easier tomorrow. You know, when I hear you say, I put the dishes before I go to bed and that night, what I'm really hearing is, I want to wake up tomorrow and be happy that I don't have to deal with dishes. 100%. Right. So you're kind of, you're giving a gift to future you. 100%.
0: Yes, that's so true. A gift that I didn't use to give. I didn't choose to give myself because I didn't know how much better I would feel until I started doing it.
1: So the things I just talked about, right? The mail having a system that's related to the incoming paper in your house. Um, If it's all getting, it gets dumped on the kitchen table and then dinner happens. So it gets shoved over here on the, on the right and everything's a little hectic. The issue at that point in time isn't, gee, my, my kitchen is out of control. Real kitchen, the real thing is I I don't really have a plan or a system or have it related to the mail. And by the way, the more this piles up and is a problem, the more it causes problems in the rest of our life. Um, If you are... Gee, we never put the dish, the deal with the dishes. The dishes are always on the side draining. Nobody takes ownership for putting the dishes away or emptying the dishwasher. That's another big one I hear about in in a kitchen life. And there are just interactions, especially when there's more than one people and person in the house. Right? It's one thing for you to take ownership on the sink. It's another thing to say all right, well, is somebody else going to empty the dishwasher in the morning? Is somebody else going to run the dishwasher? And how different people interact to create some of the chaos, but also some of the success within that same space.
0: Yeah, that's all. Uh, it's also true. And I think, you know, as women, and then, you know, if you are a mom like I am as well, and you've got the kiddos there, I, I watched my mom do it all. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned your household, there were systems in place for you. My house growing up, was immaculate you know you never had to worry about a guest dropping in because the house was always clean my mom was really good at that um i give her so much credit but i didn't necessarily learn the systems i lived in just like you did in a place where everything was done for you so i don't feel that i'm at the level that my mom is at and i would like to be but sometimes it's just a matter of finding the time and figuring it out now i am fortunate to be married to somebody who's super neat. Um, he's not, he's not a messy guy, which helps a lot, but I would imagine that if you have a partner, um, who is messy, whether it's you, that's the one that, you know, leaves stuff everywhere or your kids, it can get really stressful. So what are some of the challenges that you see when you're not aligned with the other members in your household? And, you know, how do you get them to come up with a system that's going to work for them? I mean, that might be too big of a question, but
1: let me know. it is a big question, but I'll talk about a couple aspects. So I call these mixed marriages, right, where you both definitely have very different views of what the home should look like and what is the work that's involved with getting it there. So what what has to happen is a conversation, a common ground conversation about not only what is important, but more importantly, why is it important, right? You're not being set off by somebody else's behavior because there's you know a moral code to it. You're being set off by it because it's triggering something in you psychologically or emotionally, and you're left with dealing with that aftermath of dealing with those emotions and those thoughts. And so being able to come back and say, listen, I know that you don't think that dumping your book bag right there at the end of the day is a big deal for you. But you have to understand like that's right in front of where I have to do all of the cooking for for dinner. and I end up tripping over it. I end up having to move it. Like it would mean a lot to me if you would put it where it needs to go, which is over here. But then the other part of it is also saying, Is there a reason why you're not putting it over there? Can you help me understand? Is there something about that other option that's not working for you? And really we have to find a third answer that works for you and for me. And sometimes that empathy and even just trying to understand somebody else's perspective about how they got to bring that behavior into your world and your kind of view of what's going on, sometimes that really opens up a lot of answers So somebody comes home and, you know, they leave the, the, their jacket on, on a chair or on the doorknob. And you're like, "Ah, it goes in the closet. Like, why don't you understand that the coat goes in the closet? And what they're thinking is, you know what? I wanted to drop it on the floor when I came in, but I didn't. And I wanted to put it on the kitchen table (laughs) when I came in, but I knew that would be a pain for dinner. And I wanted to throw it over on that chair. But you know what? The doorknob solves the problem of it's not in the way of anything else. Yeah, I get it. It's not in the closet, but I don't know that the closet is getting me anything better than just having it on the doorknob. And you sit there, you're like, hmm. I'm not sure I can actually argue with that, right? It's on the doorknob. I don't like looking at it, but it's not causing me a problem. And it's super weird that a conversation about a coat can really bring up such perspective and feelings, but it really can because you're understanding a little bit more about the good and bad decisions that somebody made up until the point where it showed up as clutter.
0: hundred percent. And when you're in relationship with someone, whether that's your family or I'm just even thinking back to college, my roommate senior year was so organized about studying, but the our dorm room was a mess. Her stuff was yeah. everywhere. And when you're in a small space, like, you know, I just found myself cleaning up all the time because I need it. It's really, it's a, emotionally and mentally, it gives you peace to have everything be in its place. So it's interesting because even with personality type, you can have somebody who's so organized with their work stuff but their physical stuff is everywhere and actually i remember when she was going to take the LSAT, her LSAT ticket the entrance ticket was under our futon couch and i remember thinking gosh if i move this she may lose it so the day the morning of she was freaking out she's like i don't know where it is i'm like it's under the futon couch and sure enough it was <laughs> it was still there i feel like i should get credit for her getting into law <laughs> school <laughs> because but you know but you know on the on the flip side you know She was great about studying and being ahead of the game. But, you know, my personality type was more like the last minute. So, I mean, we all have our stuff and a balance. So, you know, within the framework that you had started with, we got your stuff, your systems and your habits. Let's break this down a little. So would you tell somebody, okay, if you've got an issue with clutter, would you say let's go, you know, into the different buckets, you know, sort of how you had it with like the books, the memorabilia, the papers and whatever and create systems and then work on creating habits f- for that? Because, you know, it may be somebody's whole house, like everything might just be a big mess. Or it may just be, like I said, those friends who have that one room where everything gets shoved in, they want to take care of it. They just don't have the time.
1: So I think there's a there's a lot in there in that question that you just talked about. And let me give you an example that might help. So sometimes stuff may not be you have too much of it it may be but it may not be it may be that it's in six different places in your house and as a result you really don't know what you have or you're losing things or you're replacing things um gosh I thought I had this oh gee I can't find it I guess I'll go I'll go out and buy a new one you know wasting money all of that so it isn't so much the quantity stuff it's that you don't have them together so I would, if I hear something like that or somebody starts to ex, um, express a situation like that, say, all right, let's go get it all and see what you really have. Now we have it all together. and Now we can make some decisions about, all right, are you still using this? Is this something you'll use in the future? Um, is, gee, this is broken. Do you, think, do you think it's fixable? Do you plan on fixing it? Is it easier to just replace? And really helping them analyze kind of the quality and quantity of their stuff. And sometimes you do that, and it's, it's fine, really. It's really addressed what some of their issues are. Now, there may also be a system aspect to it, which is, yeah, I do have all this stuff, but I, I can't have them all together because I just don't have the room. I don't have the right storage furniture. I don't have the right zone for it to live in in the same house. I do use some of it in here, and I do use some of it over there. Now I'm hearing a systems answer all right, how is the best way for us to store it? How do you want to access it? What's the best way for you to maintain it, right? I'll work with some people and gosh, if there's a if there's a bin with a lid on it, what I see are things stacked up on a lid on top of an empty bin, right? They're just not going to open up the lids. And I say, all right, that's not working for you. Let's find open shelving or open bins that we can work with for you. And so that's really going through a, maybe a systems aspect of it. And if we find that, you know what, there is stuff, but it's you know, not so much stuff. And there is a system, but what's going on is a habit, right? They're not going through at night saying, all right, I need to clean this up. They're not transitioning from one way to use the room to the other and being able to put things back where they go. Um, they're not holding other people accountable for their role in cleaning up after what they're doing. That's where we start to get into habits. So again, the same, same analysis of a situation that might have to do with stuff really could go in one of a few different ways to find some solutions.
0: Yeah, that's so good because actually as you were talking, uh, a huge light bulb went off. So I was thinking, okay, the stuff. My husband was like the way you described yourself on your bio, on your website, which was, you know, when you were not organized, which was he loses stuff um, all the time. I can't find my wallet, leaving stuff, you know. The keys. And so he actually has purchased those uh, fobs that you can put on your stuff. Yes. And you ring and you ring a little, it makes a noise and then you can find it. He, that was his system to yeah. solve for the stuff issue. Um My system for him, I would prefer it all just go into one little, you know, container somewhere in the entryway or somewhere where then he could just locate it. But I don't think that's a realistic system for the way he processes. So that's interesting. And then when you talked about the habits, I think of, oh, and when you were talking about systems, I was thinking about like shoes. There's just too much shoes Mm -hmm. for the amount of closet space we have. It's just logistics. It's just a reality. So it's making me think, okay, yes, we need to just create a system for that. And then with the habits, I think of my daughter and not having you know, developed them with her and kind of modeled my mom's way of just doing it all and realizing, okay, now it's time to create those habits so she can feel empowered. And then she can also, you know, feel good about um, her room and that she's taking ownership of it. And actually, when she does organize, it's gorgeous. I mean, she's nobody's going to do it better than she is anyway. So um, that was great. I think, you know, if anyone, you know, for those people listening now, they're going to go, okay, get I get it. I get how to orient around that. Um, So let's talk about um, papers. (laughs) Because I think that papers kind of take on their own energy with all of us. And, you know, a drain of energy in many cases. It's not that we're not capable of it. But, you know, in our household, it's stuff for my husband and, and for me. And then we moved three times since we... Um, came out to San Diego. And so I left a bunch of stuff in my parents' basement. God bless them. Very kind of them. to. (laughs) I know. I added to their clutter. I feel horrible about that. Um, But now my dad shipped me eight boxes and they're sitting on a table in the garage. And the reason they're sitting there is twofold. I don't have the time to think about where the stuff is going (laughs) to go. And I think just knowing that, you know, I'm going to need to find a place or then have to do the emotional work. I mean, there there's stuff in there from, you know, my childhood. And so, you know, so that's the more of the emotional ones. And then there's there's the desk that has accumulated all the papers that need to be filed, but I don't have a system yet. So there it goes, stuff to system. What's, what's your g- general advice? I know it's all sort of you know, it's a personalized approach, generally speaking, but what would be a system around papers? What do you generally advise from what you've seen with clients that seems to work?
1: Yeah. And I I could obviously talk for three hours about paper. I love working with paper clients. Um, The first thing that I tell people is that you can describe your paper typically as being in one place in time, right? It's either paper from your past, paper from your present, or paper that's in your future. And some of that is Paper that just hasn't come your way yet, but you know it's coming, right? The, the bill that hasn't arrived yet, the mail that hasn't arrived yet. And you need a system for dealing with it. So I think of paper in one of those three spots of time. The stuff in the past, honestly, I, I kind of deprioritize that over addressing the stuff in the present. That's going to be the things that are on your current piles, the mail that's not open yet, the bills that you've recently paid but you haven't done anything with the things you think you need to file. And I'll spend time with paper saying, let's just go through all of this paper. And one of the things I ask people to think about when it comes to every single piece of paper is, what is the action I think I need to take with this piece of paper? What's the next time this piece of paper is going to be important? So, okay, this is an invitation for a party next week. I need it as a reminder. I'll put it in my calendar. Okay, do I still need a paper after that? Maybe maybe not but okay this is a utility bill from two months ago all right is there an action that you need to take with this what is it that you think this paper is gonna do in the future for you and typically for a lot of things that we've been keeping because people our age didn't have any other option than keep every single piece of paper because that's what our dads did when they did the bills um, we think we need to hold on to a lot more than we really do so it's not so much well I know exactly what I need to do with this it's I don't know. Don't I need to keep this? I don't, really, I don't really know. And so we've kept it. And that's where that big past file ends up being a little trickier to go through. So I like people to go through their present paper to figure out what's on your table, what's an action you're supposed to be taking that you haven't done yet, you've been avoiding, uh, you lost sight of, it's at the bottom of a pile, right? Those are the things that are your current obligations. Once done with that, then kind of go back with the past papers, Because then you can have a better sense of, oh gosh, I already know what I didn't keep from stuff that's on my desk right now. What are some things I've been keeping that I just really don't need to hold on to? Whether they're um, paperwork from old homes, credit card bills from years ago, um, cell phone bills, cable bills, things related to old schoolwork, whether it's yours or your child's, insurance bills you start to go through all of these things that you kept because you thought it was the prudent thing to do and then suddenly you realize I- i've never looked at these since i put them in the file these haven't been something i needed to go back to and dot 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 if i needed them is there another way that i could get this information often the answer is yes
0: yeah it's So helpful to think about it in those terms, but then I still think to myself, okay, so yes, I can deal with the present papers. I can pay those bills and whatever, but what's a system that you've seen work? Like, is it every Sunday morning you allot, I don't know, an hour to deal with it? I mean, I feel like it has to be an ongoing thing, kind of like the dishes build up. If I didn't do dishes every day... I can't even imagine (laughs) what my house would look like or the same with the laundry. Everything, it's like a constant thing you have to stay on top of. So how can you, you know, at least create a system that tends to work? And
1: that's the difference between getting organized and being organized, right? Anybody can get caught up. How you deal with you know, the future paper, right, the stuff that keeps coming, that's where you're starting to talk about oh, what's the habit I'm going to put in place, what's the system I'm going to put in place that's going to help me stay on top of it. I, I wish everyone went through their their paper mail every day, right? This gets recycled right away, doesn't even touch the kitchen counter, this gets shredded, I know I don't need this credit card offer, the only thing that's left are things that probably need some thought or some action, right? So the first step is really as often as as you can, and not everybody's going to be able to go through the mail every day, but at least a couple of times a week they're going through that pile so that by the time it gets to the space where you do stuff, which might be your desk, it might be your kitchen table, it might be your couch, what's left is items that need you to take some action on, whether that's a bill or an invitation or a form you need to fill out for school. Um, registration for your car came in the mail, whatever those things are. So you're whittling down to only the things that need your attention. Because when you start with the full pile of the week's worth of mail you haven't looked at yet, it can be really daunting and really easy to say, I just don't have the energy for that right now. So again, you're giving future you a gift by saying, by the time you're ready to sit down, it's only going to be the stuff you need to pay attention to.
0: Okay, I want to make sure I understood this because I actually think it's hugely important. And so basically create this system and deal with the present stuff and get into a rhythm and routine there. And once you've got the place for maybe, you know, those bills that you do need, you've paid and do need to file away, either for tax reasons or whatever, um, uh, then you can deal with the papers that are sitting in my garage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is that <laughs> then I can open that desk that's, you know, housing way too many papers that, uh, you know, I know 80 percent of it I'm going to have to get rid of. Is that is that right? Did I understand it correctly?
1: In, in my mind, that's what I have found to be most successful is let's work what's what's pressing right now and what we know is coming. Because dealing with the past often takes a different brain. Right. It takes a different amount of patience, takes a different amount of types of questioning about what you need to keep and why you need to keep it. Those boxes that are in your uh, that are in your your garage are not paper. They are memories and experiences that happen to be represented on eight and a half by 11 sheets of memory. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So you're you're even thinking about them as paper. But there's a difference between functional paper and memorabilia paper and emotional paper. And and you can't, not, I don't want to say you can't, it's difficult to really deal with both at the same time because you're dealing with a very different level of criteria and decision-making and where your brain and your heart goes when you're remembering things. I mean, if you're picking up a box of your old diaries, you're going to be dealing with that differently than a box of your old mortgage statements. I promise.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And I remember being, and when I was at my parents' house, actually, I went through about Ten other boxes in in my parents' basement. You know, you accumulate a lot of stuff, and they yeah. had this place to store it. So, like I said, I'm very grateful to them, and I'm also I felt like I gave my parents a gift too by finally taking the time to. <laughs> you know, it's not fair to actually bring your clutter into somebody else's space. And you know, in hindsight, I would say I probably wouldn't have done that again. I would have just shipped it here and dealt with it in my garage. But I remember my dad saying, "Hey, you know." you can't stop and look through that photo album right now. You can't, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so hard to not do. And oh, I just found this note from a friend of mine from when we were, you know, in third grade. Um, Really hard not to do. So, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the different um, ways to go about it. It's the present stuff. So it's the day-to-day um, management. And then, you know, I was thinking even with clothing too, Um, you know, I talked about seasonally, I declutter and get rid of things. Um, can you give us a little bit of a system, um, something that, you know, works in terms of how to manage the day-to-day? So like, for example, should clothing be color-coded or is that not so important, um, as much as it is just to like not bring in new things until you need it? Or I don't know, I'm just trying to figure out like an actual system that would work for the day-to-day habits that set us up for success.
1: Yeah, I think, um thinking about bringing things in versus taking it out is different than all right what's what's in my closet now and how is it organized i think color coding has been great for a lot of people it's great for me it may not be great for everybody it's really thinking about the purpose of an organizational system is so that i can find what i need when i need it quickly right so setting everything up color coded means two things one I can find the red sweater because it's probably with the red sweaters in the red section. And two, when I'm done with the red sweater, I know where it goes back. It has a home. It's over there, right? So it's easier to maintain. Again, it's not about getting organized. It's about being organized. And maintaining a system means it's got to be simple enough for you to put things back and hit the reset button. Another part is, you know, do you like drawers or open shelving? You know, we don't often think for ourselves when we're designing how we're going to set up a closet based on what works best. I use, uh, I use drawers for my t-shirts and I fold them in It's kind of called a fold and file process, right? So you fold it on end and you stack them in. It's almost like a filing cabinet. So I can see everything when I open up that drawer. If you have your t-shirts stacked And there's a bottom and then there's a top, chances are you're only wearing the top few and you're never getting to the bottom unless you're hunting for something. So for me, having a system where I can see everything and the system I can maintain has helped me make sure that I really am using my wardrobe, right? How often do we say that you probably wear 20% of the clothing you own? This is a good way to make sure you're at least uncovering the rest.
0: Well, so are you actually saying that the 80-20 rule doesn't apply to you because you have a system? in terms of clothing that you wear 80 that you wear 20% of the clothes 80% of the time do you find that you actually wear what's in your closet
1: I think that I am uh 80 20 got me to from where I was 5 years ago back when I had a corporate life just like you and all the dresses and the suits and the, and the shoes right um to what I have now which is a lot more geared towards the life that I do have right so it allowed me To make my wardrobe pretty much fully functional. Now, I have a fair amount of dresses because I have speaking engagements. So there are times I'll wear all of them and then times I won't wear any of them for six months if I don't have anything going on. So I certainly have Uh, a supply that exceeds my demand, but it's really been able to shift because I can see everything. So I'm able to check on everything. There's There's a tip that people talk about every year is, you know, in January, you turn all of your hangers in your closet around so that the open side is facing you. And then as you wear clothes during the course of the year, you put them back the right way. And at the end of the year, you can see all those Misturned hangers are the clothes you didn't wear, like for mm-hmm. some people that's a visual cue for themselves mm-hmm. to be able to say like audit what it is they're wearing and what they're doing
0: yeah that's really helpful um, I'm just trying to i'm thinking about the people out there who go, Oh my God, like this feels overwhelming, or my house is, my husband's or partner's not on board like they don't care i'm I'm curious you know, what do you see as the common issue that does hold people back from making a system, creating those systems and habits? Like, what what is the biggest barrier? And then I'm wondering, you know, yeah, let's, let's start there. What's the biggest barrier you see? I think sometimes the biggest
1: barrier is that people are just so overwhelmed they have no idea to start.
0: Okay. So let's, so then what's, let's give them like the baby step. So what would be, The best first place to start?
1: I like to tell people two things. One, start in a small space, whether that's like the drawer next to the couch, your night table drawer, the junk drawer in the kitchen, one small space, one shelf. And take it all out, deal with it, make some decisions about what you need to keep, what you don't need to keep. Even if you end up keeping everything, put it back in a tidy manner where things are grouped like with like and they just feel more organized. That's going to be a good way to start breaking in what it would mean to take on a bigger space or the next drawer or the next shelf. The other thing I tell people is start with something unemotional, right? Hmm. Don't work with something that's, don't, don't work with the the photo albums, right? That's not a good place to start if you really are overwhelmed, like adding more emotion to the situation isn't going to help. I do an organizing challenge every year that starts in January. And uh, when we do the decluttering years, we start in the kitchen with Tupperware, right? I want people to kind of get used to, okay, we're doing this small category and there are very few people who have an emotional attachment to their Tupperware. Right. So it's a good way to say we're going to get some habits in, we're going to get some skills in, we're going to start doing some decision making. But, you know, pretty soon you are going to move on to something that might feel a little bit emotional or decisions might be a little tougher. Like now we're going through uh, things that you use in your dining room that you should be for entertaining and special occasions, but now you have to deal with the fact that, gosh, you know what, I registered for all this stuff and my family paid a lot of money to buy me china and crystal and silver, but I never use it. Right now you're dealing with heavy emotional stuff, not just the fact that you've got an overwhelming hutch in your dining room.
0: Yeah, that's Really good. And, you know, it's funny because so I have a book of inspirations and inspiration number four, E4, under simplicity is declutter your life, make room for what you desire with the understanding that as you clear out the clutter, you literally open up an energetic abundance for new and good things to come into your life. I'm wondering, Kathy, can we talk about a success story where you've gone in and, you know, it just seemed like yeah you know, a really tough situation and the person's achieved, you know, this level now of not just being decluttered but managing it on a day-to-day basis.
1: I'll talk about one. Uh, it's a a woman who she has a home office space as kind of a sunroom off of her living room. And there were things in that space that just kind of got dumped over the years, right? It was the easiest way to clean off the dining room table because after all, Mommy's office is right over there. Um, hide the Christmas presents, there's work stuff, there's stuff from old jobs, all sorts of different things. And it became a small space that was a collection of a variety of priorities, of old chapters in her life. And the one thing it wasn't doing was giving her a place to work. And that became something she really started to crave. And she knew she was avoiding this room and closing the door and just trying to ignore it. And most importantly, it made her feel really bad about herself. Made her feel like she wasn't capable of keeping up on the space. She just was. She didn't know how to start it. She didn't know how to finish it. She just knew how to walk away and feel shame around what that part of her home had become. We spent literally just one one day, right? Four hours. Let's go through everything together. Do you need it? Why do you need it? Does it need to live in here? Should it live somewhere else? This is somebody else's. Oh, it was a gift. Okay. How do you feel about letting go of a gift? Just going through one thing after another. So that was kind of the excavation part. And then we went through to say, what does this room need to do for you now? What are the things that need to be set up in here to make sure it works for you? You hate that you have to turn the printer around to the left to be able to get the ink in? All right, well, that might not be something to deal with all the time, but can we make that easier? Can we find small problems, small aggravations that we can alleviate for you? And just by able to going zone by zone and saying, right, what should the desk do for you? What should this organizer of paper do for you? Um, what what needs to be in this filing cabinet? Are This is the most important real estate for this item, or can this go somewhere else? Going through that whole space allowed her not only to, of course, reclaim her home office and use it the way she wants to do it, but also gave her so much more pride in being able to be in a space that she loved, that she felt she had control over, that she knew she could really regulate, okay, what in the future, what am I letting come in here? This is really now my favorite space. How do I protect it? Um, And really been able to keep it up since since we worked together, and she's so proud of it.
0: That's such a great story, and I think a lot of people are gonna relate to that you know that closed door with all the stuff <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> you know they don't want to look at it because it becomes an emotional drain and then when you take ownership and take the steps and you know right before we wrap up here at Kathy I'm just thinking you know first of all I just want to thank you because we're understanding that there's a psychological component there's an emotional component there's a logistical component there's the stuff the systems the habits and there is a framework and You just have to work through each area that you're having the challenge with and understand what's important. So I think you've done an amazing job helping us with all of that. I'm actually curious if somebody wants more help. I'm going to definitely link to your book, but I'm curious if you can recommend um, any others that maybe you were looking at when you got started a favorite book on this topic.
1: Yeah, I would say I've read a ton Um, and probably the one that sticks out with me the most is by a woman named Julie Morgenstern and her Mm -hmm. book is called Organizing from the Inside Out. And I think one of the reasons it really resonated with me is that idea that there is no one way for someone's life to be organized. You really have to figure out the individual way to apply it to yourself and make it work for you.
0: Kathy, can you leave the women listening with your three best pieces of advice for organizing their life based on the work that you do?
1: Sure. And, you know, I feel like I'm in the advice business sometimes, so it's hard to come up with just three, but I'll do my best.
0: That's fair. Um, No, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I think one I, I use with everybody, of course, is everything has to have a home, right? There's no way you can hit the reset button on the space or on your life unless everything has a home where they can be put back into. It's really been so key for me to conquer my own issues and help other people conquer theirs with their space. The second is, sometimes when you're overwhelmed and you don't know where to start, the easiest thing to do is to think about the end and ask yourself, what does finished look like? Right? You might not be able to see how to get from here to there just yet but if you're able to understand with any project what does finished look like it can help you start to create a plan around getting there and helps you figure out what you want to maintain once you get there and then I think another one is this one is a little bit about more about time management and productivity and some of those habits is notice and beware of how often you say the word later to yourself like, Oh, I'll deal with that later. Oh, I'll get to it later. Um, every t- it's, it's really a trap, right? Every time you tell yourself you're going to do something later, you are making a choice for future you that isn't such a generous one and catch yourself notice when you're doing it and think about, all right, am I doing am I saying I'm going to do it later just because right now it doesn't feel so great. Or is there a real reason? because sometimes it's really easy to procrastinate because we give ourselves that out that later is definitely going to come.
0: Those were so good. I I can't thank you enough, Kathy. I mean, I think you shared so much wisdom today and I am confident like I'm excited now. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking <laughs> about systems and where we've been stuck as a family that yeah. we can be putting into place and I'm I actually feel more like excited about diving in and and my goal is for 2019 to really to have it be the way my mom had our home growing up that's that's that is my future self is (laughs) to be into that beautiful place kathy i'm sure people are going to be curious about getting access to your information to your book where can people learn more about you and what you do Sure.
1: Uh, CleverGirlOrganizing.com is my website, and you'll learn about me, my in person organizing, my virtual organizing, so I can work with people all over the world through their screen. And they can find me on Facebook at CleverGirl Organizing, Instagram Clevergirlorganizing, Organizing, and Twitter at CleverGirlOrg.
0: Kathy, thank you so much for your time. I know that I'm going to be in touch with you <laughs> on those papers. I feel like, you know, and I'd say this to anyone out there take on what you can. And yeah. if you need the help, seek it out because you deserve to live in a space that feels good to you. So, thank you so much, Kathy. I appreciate your time today, and look forward to following you on all the, your social media.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration